Welcome to Harlem. We are a neighborhood of treasured culture, historic artists, and known as the black mecca of the world. No matter which part of Harlem you're in, you've got friends on every block. More so, you've got family on every block. And I don't just mean blood relatives. When you live around the same people for your whole life, they feel like family. In the past seven years, my household has gotten close with our downstairs neighbor James. James is an older black man, always wearing his colorful shirts, accompanied with the biggest smile when you see him around the neighborhood. As he walks on 141st Street, James can recollect memories from each beautifully aged brownstone and still remembers all the individuals that made him who he is growing up here. Well, my name is James Garrett. Currently, I'm retired, but I'm, I'm pursuing my, uh, my dream as an actor. I'm not here to try to get somebody to think like I think, but to get people to just think in general and, and communicate, conversate, and not scream and holler at each other. My name is Blake Riley. I'm a 16-year-old Harlemite. I've lived here as long as I can remember, and I've loved every second of it. On my block every night, you'll hear Latin music blasted from the corner. And all summer long, kids run through fire hydrant sprinklers that parents have opened up to cool off. Neither of my parents grew up here, and I've always wanted to know the history of my neighborhood. So I reached out to James. We meet today in my apartment, mid-August, on one of the most scorching days of the year. But even in this heat, James is still eager to tell his story of 60 years in Harlem. A story of iconic neighborhood sports, family drug abuse, growing up through the Vietnam War, and most importantly, love for our community. Just to start off, how long have you lived both in Harlem and in New York City? Uh, I would have to say, <laughs> I would have to say 63 years. What has specifically kept you in Harlem? Um, thinking like more culture, maybe family, what has um, kept you here? Back then when I was growing up as a kid, you know, of course, segregation was in, all right? And although segregation was in, we didn't know, we didn't experience segregation, okay? Most of the people uh, in my block, I lived on 31st Street between Park and Madison Avenue, and the block that I lived in was a block, it was, I would call it a community block. There was a lot of bad things that were going on, but people really kind of looked after each other. Um, kids played in the streets. We were kids, we used to play little things called crack top. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. Little spinning tops. No, what's crack top? Crack tops is, you know, we used to have, you know the spinning tops that you have? Okay, when you spin the top, if your top didn't spin, you had to put your top in the middle of this here circle. Okay, so every top that didn't spin, you had to put it in the, uh, in the middle of the circle. But the object of the game was to hit the tops that are in the circle and crack them. So that's how the name, you know, crack, crack top came. Kids played in the streets. We ran, uh, we had races in the streets. We used to play stickball in the street. We played uh, touch football in the street. And we used to have audiences because people would be on the stoops and everything looking at these games. Street games and Harlem go hand in hand. Whether it's the 60s or present day, you'll always see sports played in our streets. 
Out of all the games James played as a kid, stickball clearly has the greatest impact on his life, and mine as well. Stickball has been a part of this city's culture forever. A street version of baseball played with a broomstick and a rubber ball. The beauty of this game is rooted by the community's support, encouragement, and kindness remembered generations later. This man, he had this little bump on the back of his head. He would go up the block and he had this big push broom. And he just started sweeping the streets, right? Didn't say anything, just kept doing it. And for that first week, he kept doing it. After we played, made sure that the streets was clean for the kids, right? Then he saw that we uh, was pl- that we played stickball a lot. So you had to have a uh, you had to have first base, you had to have second base, third base, and the plate. So he'd get out there with his paint. He started painting it in stickball thing so we can play stickball. Then he started uh, the loady things so the kids could play. And he cleaned out a yard where we did uh, bow and arrow shooting. Okay? But the fact that he took it upon himself to do something, he didn't ask for any recognition. He didn't even talk about it. He just did it. And we all benefited from it. And it just is something that is resonated that um, you know you just go on and do you know if there's some good that you can do go on and do it and good manifests itself in many ways sometimes you don't even realize the value of the good that you do until years later James's high school years happened in the heart of the Vietnam War with the expectation of being drafted college was not a realistic goal for him or his peers I got to college by accident. I had no intention of going to college, okay? Uh, I wasn't a great student in high school. I mean, I played football and baseball in high school. I was I was, uh, was an athlete, but I was getting ready to go into the military because they had a draft back then. I was number 13 on the, on the lottery. All right, so I remember, uh, Sergeant, he calls my house, Sergeant Brazil. He said, Mr. Garrett, how are you? I said, you're 18 years old. I said, I'm with the United States Army. You'll be Chelsea soon. So I want to talk to you about your future. You know? So all of a sudden, I get this letter from this college in Colorado, Rangeley College, Rangeley, Colorado. And they offered me a baseball scholarship. At this time, there were exemptions to escape from the draft. But unfortunately for James, a college scholarship wasn't one of them. I'm trying to deal with the army to tell them, look, I got a scholarship to college, man. I don't want to go to, you know, go and in, go into the military. They said, oh, well, don't worry. You can go in as a second lieutenant. <laughs> you know, I said, look, I'm not interested in it. I had to go to, uh, I forgot where I had to go, where it was, but it was one of the facilities. And I told the story to, to a sister who was there. And I think she knew something. I can't say this for sure, but I think she knew that the draft was going to end because my file was on the top, but then all of a sudden she kind of put it on the bottom after I told her that I had the scholarship and everything. Then the draft ended and I was able to go to college. After college, James returned to the community that raised him. 
through good times and bad. Um, what are the ways that family has influenced your life here in Harlem? Well, I had a big family. I had 12 aunts and uncles, uh, maybe about 18 first cousins. And we all grew up together. And my uncles and aunts, they were either in law enforcement or they were criminals. My dad was in law enforcement. He was a, uh, he did corrections. He was a sergeant at Lincoln Correctional Facility on 110th Street. Before that, he was in Sing Sing. Uh, one of my uncles was actually electrocuted in the electric chair. Uh, he was 19 years old. And uh, back then, they didn't wait long to, to execute you. You know, so. But I grew from those negative experiences. You know, I had a couple of uncles, aunts, cousins who were severely addicted to heroin. At about this time, the 70s, heroin was a new big drug on the streets. Kids like James and his cousins got used to seeing deals on every corner. At more than 650 heroin-related deaths a year, drug abuse was an inescapable presence for 70s Harlemites. Of my surviving cousins, now I must have about maybe 10. And we're all around the same age. And most of them, they suffer from some sort of post-traumatic stress disorder from things that have happened in their youth that they've never resolved. Because I would always tell them, you know, your, your, your childhood memory, you always remember that. Your short-term memory is the first to go. This community overall is better off now or um, from when you were a kid? And, you know, what, what have you found that's different? In our speech and everything, we become too ghettoized. You know, and I notice it when I go to an audition, all right? It, it works. It's not a problem for me. Because I don't come across that way, but I I don't know if you notice if a lot of roles for black folks like uh, Harriet Tubman, all right, you got a sister from Britain to play, okay, Martin Luther King, you had an African brother who was trained in England, all right, they just come off with a different vibe. Um, for like my experience. Most, like, obviously there's going to be black people in politics or, you know, public figures, but most of them either are athletes, they're football and basketball players, or, you know, they're a rapper, they're a musical artist. Mm -hmm. um, and when somebody like me, a black kid, um, looks up on TV and sees someone like them being an entertainer, that's kind of all they have in their head. They mm -hmm. don't, they see like the big, the big people, um, being white and they don't they don't really think I'm gonna be like him. They're like, I'm gonna be like rapper, I'm gonna be LeBron James. Like the neighborhood itself, James has had stories of joy as well as hardship. However, through it all, Q 
community and those specific individuals have kept love in our neighborhood. James leaves our conversation fulfilled, and like always, a huge smile on his face. As I thank him for his time, I can't help but picture how my home was 50 years ago. James' descriptions really resonated with me, and furthermore solidified my love for Harlem. For the Summer Youth Podcast Academy, I'm Blake Riley. Music from Blue Dot Sessions. Archival tape from Oscar Fleetwood on YouTube. Thank you to The Bell and Gimlet Media, and shout out to my editor, Josh Bianchi.